God is not concerned about your comfort. God is not concerned about you being able to do things easily or take care of your responsibilities easily. Why? Because there's some default problem in the human heart and in the human mind that likes to drift towards what is easy. Whatever is easy, whatever is comfortable, that's what we are desiring. And when you read God's word, you never see that at all. Why? Because our God works hard all the time. God never sleeps. Creation wasn't simple. Creation was incredibly complex. Yes, he is God, so he can do anything. Yet, it was incredibly, and is, incredibly complex. And there's this default mentality inside of humanity that strives for what is easy. What is the very least that I can do so that I will be comfortable? God is not concerned about that. Not only is he not concerned about that, that is not his plan for you. Because that absolutely leads to pride and God wants your holiness. Welcome to an exegetical study of biblical scripture. This scripture is God's speech, God's story, written through the hands of men by his spirit, and it's all about God's glory. My name is Bryce Ferguson. Join me now as we go into the word. This is Genesis. Father God, wonderful and loving Father, please open the eyes of your people. By your Holy Spirit, open the eyes of your people that our gaze may be on you. That our focus, that when our eyes are open, that we are not just simply seeing that we don't just have the biological aspect of our ocular cavities being open and our eyelids retracted so that we have some form of vision. God, may your people focus on you. This laborious focus that takes time, that takes thought that takes energy 
that starts a passion within your people and continues a passion within your people for your glory, for your glory in all the earth, that you might be glorified, that you might be uplifted, God. That your people would put to death the things that war for our attention, our laziness, our sinful, selfish desires. The things that we want like a toddler, that we want, that I want. That we would put that to death. That we would turn away from that. Turn toward you and fix our gaze on our God. By your power, O oh Lord, may we do this and hold this gaze so that it encompasses every aspect of our life for our entire life and that it only grows and only grows holding our gaze on you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may this be true. And in the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please open with me to Genesis 24. We started in verse 1 last week. And I want to reread the first couple of verses of this as we get to today's text, starting in verse 5. Verse 1, now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. God's blessing looks different to each one of his children. But for his children, God will take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Why do you worry about what you will wear and what you will eat? See how the Father feeds the birds of the field, or the birds of the air and the lilies of the field he clothes. Fix the gaze. But the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, which was custom, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. Today's text, verse 5. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. 
But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. Abraham was focused. He was focused on God. He was focused on what God had called him to do with sojourning in the land of Canaan. God had come to Abraham again and again and said, I am going to make a covenant with you. God presents himself physically, tangibly, in dreams and in visions to Abraham and says, I am making a covenant with you. And these are the parameters of the covenant. And this land where you are sojourning, which at the time was quite common to sojourn or to wander or to journey into different parts of the world, different than today in most parts of the world. And God said, I am going to give this land to your descendants. It is going to be an everlasting covenant with your offspring and with their descendants. An everlasting covenant. God was doing something incredibly special in the life of Abraham. Despite Abraham's sin, despite Abraham's faults, and we all have them, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God wants to have this special relationship with Abraham. That he would then be the father of many nations. When he changes his name from Abram to Abraham, that he would be the father of a multitude of nations. God was doing something special here. He was choosing Abraham. God is a God who chooses. Let's look at verse 5. Abraham had focused determination here. He had just said it in verses 2 through 4. He said to his servant, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. His servant was knowledgeable of this. His servant was his most trusted servant. This was the one that he was putting in charge of going to the foreign land, going to get a wife for his son, Isaac. What does it say here? The oldest of his household, his servant, Abraham's servant. He had been with him. He knew Abraham worshiped the Lord. He knew Abraham trusted the Lord. I'm quite sure he knew about the covenant that God had made with Abraham. This was why they were in Canaan. This is why he was sojourning. This is why he had peaceful relationship and pursued peaceful relationship with the Canaanites. And he did, and we talked about that in chapter 23. Abraham was focused. Put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred. 
and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now we're not talking about Ur of the Chaldeans, where God called him out from a pagan people because he had journeyed with his father at the time, while his father was still alive, to the land of Haran, which is Mesopotamia, that area. They lived there for, give or take, depending on the interpretation of the text, about 70 years Abraham had lived there. So he had family there. So he had relatives there. And he instructs his servant now, go. And he's very focused, very determined. But it seems like the servant is questioning. The question of verse 5 is not what Abraham instructed and insisted his servant already to swear. We just read it in verse 2. There's a tension here. And it's not that the servant didn't have faith. I'm not saying that. But it's clear that while Abraham is focused, the servant is not focused, at least in his question. Verse 5, the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said nothing about Isaac traveling. He said nothing about taking his son Isaac. I know you could look at this in simplicity and say, well, the servant's just asking a question, Bryce. But there is a difference because Abraham had already stated very clearly in faith what he was asking his servant to do. It's as if Abraham is looking forward for God's plan and God's purposes and the servant is worried about contingency plans. Verse 6. Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The servant asks about contingency. He says, No. He already laid it out. Now he's reaffirming the second time. No. Verse 7. The Lord, the God, listen to how Abraham is speaking. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Abraham is affirming his confidence in this is not of his own accord. It's not just of his own will. It's not even of his own will. This is from the Lord. The Lord, the God of heaven, who originally called Abraham away. And he did. He called him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and then he called him out of Mesopotamia, where he had lived with his father. It's interesting. Originally, it said, that they were leaving from Ur to go to the land of Canaan. But his father stopped in this middle ground, which is very far from Canaan. We're talking about Mesopotamia. Very far. Depending on the area, maybe about 500 miles from Canaan. And they lived there, and they settled there. And then when his father died, he continued on to Canaan, where God had called him. 
and it is Canaan, which is the inheritance. Therefore, Canaan is where his family shall dwell. Abraham knows. From the time he arrived there, when it was just he and Sarah and their large household of servants and workers and such, to now himself, Sarah has passed and his son Isaac. From this time forward, this is the land of the promise. So the imperative is not for Abraham to journey back to Mesopotamia or to send Isaac back to Mesopotamia or for Isaac to move to Mesopotamia. This testifies to Abraham's embracing of the covenant that God made with him. Let's look at this again. This is chapter 15, verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And God also says it again in Genesis 17, when he makes the covenant of circumcision. In 1770, he says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. A few verses later here is the covenant of circumcision after these verses. And Abraham was circumcised as part of this covenant. So was Isaac. And so was his servant. So the servant knew about the covenant of circumcision at the very least. But Abraham does something important here. He is reiterating in this conversation with his servant that it's not him relying on himself, like I just said. It's He's trusting. Let's look at the scripture again. Go back to 24. Verse 7, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me. <clears throat> Abraham reiterates, it is God who said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Therefore, Abraham's focus is Canaan and the surrounding areas of those other tribes that we just read about in chapter 15. His focus is where God has brought him. He's focused on God's plan, God's purposes, what God is doing through the covenant. And because Abraham is so focused on this covenant from the Lord, Abraham's faith is that the Lord does not want a woman to be joined with Isaac from Canaan. Why? Because they don't profess faith. He doesn't know that it's, well, he does know, that that's the point, that it's, it would not be a good values match either. 
and therefore he would bless the pursuit of one from the area Abraham came from. And it's been almost a hundred years that he came from Mesopotamia. But he knows his family and his relatives are there. Abraham knows God is living and active and that the covenant for Abraham's offspring and his offspring after him is all part of God's plan. God said it's an everlasting covenant from generation to generation for your offspring, Isaac, and his offspring after him, Isaac's descendants. And let's look at this. Remember, Isaac did not exist without the explicit hand of God working. First through prophecy and the visitation from God. And then again through visitation. He came to Sarah and he said, you will have a child. And she laughs and he says, about this time, next year, I will come back to you and then you will have a child. God comes back to her about that time next year and appears to her and speaks to her. And then later she gives birth to Isaac. Only God can bring a child to a barren womb. And he did that with Sarah. So with the weight of the charge placed on who God is and what God is doing, Abraham affirms to his servant. Essentially, he said, the angel of the Lord. Essentially, he's saying, God is going to go before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Abraham is focused on the Lord. Sometimes people get lazy. Would it have been easy for Abraham to say, let's just go get one from down the street from the Canaanites? But the Canaanites were not the chosen people of God. The Canaanites did not have the value system of Abraham and from his family line. It would have been easy. It would have been comfortable. Maybe a lot of people do that because it's easy or because it's comfortable. God's not focused on that. God wants your holiness. God wants you to be intentional and proactive in your life. Do you know that it takes a lot of thought and a lot of effort to be intentional and proactive? It does. And God wants his children to be that way. Why? Because God is intentional and God is proactive. Jesus says that we are to take up our cross and follow him. That if anyone wants to come after him, he must deny himself. So we have to deny our own easy, comfortable, lazy desires. And take up our cross. What does that mean? Oh, that's very intentional and proactive to be about the things of God and then to follow God. Because you cannot follow God unless you are taking up the things of God. Because you cannot obey the commandments of God unless you are reading the commandments of God so that you know the commandments of God. You have to be reading God's word 
to know him. Yes, God gave us the spirit, but he primarily gave us the word of God, the printed word of God, the oral tradition before it was printed so that we would know him. It's both, but it is the word, and it is also relying on the spirit. But we need to know the word of God to follow the word of God so that we can know our God. Abraham is saying to his servant, it is God who's going to go before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. He's looking forward. He's looking forward. He's not turned around, looking in the past, looking in the rear view, looking at contingencies. He is focused on the greatness of God and God's priorities. Right now, God has established his covenant. God has brought him into the promised land. God is focused on Abraham's family, believe it or not, because he has said, through your family, I'm going to have my covenant. This everlasting covenant is going to be through your family, that you, Abraham, are going to be a blessing to all people. And Abraham knew that it was God who heard his prayer for a child. He knew it was God who opened Sarah's womb. He knew it was God who gave him a son, Isaac. And he knows it was both God who called him to sacrifice Isaac unto him, and it was God who stayed his hand from committing that act. So Abraham has abandoned his desires, and he's following God's desires. God's ways have become Abraham's ways. So he's focused on what God has promised him to do. To both have a covenant with God and to dwell in the promised land of Canaan. Yes, he is a sojourner now, but God is going to give this land to his descendants. Let's look at verse 8. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. Abraham gives a clarifying answer to what his servant asks here in two parts. Because Abraham, I think, is so confident in the Lord's provision in this. He answers the servant by now replying to this question that if the woman's not willing to follow you, you'll be free from this oath of mine. But he also, he doesn't leave it there. For a question like the one that the servant asked him, Abraham says it now, if you're counting, this is the third time that he says it, only you must not take my son back there. He is adamantly against it. Why? Because he's focused on the purposes of God. He's focused on the plan of God. Yes, God has a plan. God is living and active and he always has a plan. And often we can't see specifically what God is doing in the moment, but for Abraham, for his family, in this circumstance, in this sojourning, in the land of Canaan, Abraham knows. God has spoken to him. God has made it clear. 
And God has called people everywhere to surrender their lives to him and to follow after him. So we do know that much. We have the word of God so we can read and study the word of God to follow him. And sometimes God makes it explicitly clear, and he has done so to Abraham. So with that, I will also say that the situation here in chapter 24 is a specific situation to a specific family in a specific time. Many things in Scripture are this way. And there's a lot that are, can also be universal. But all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and correcting of righteousness. There is goodness and purpose to every single verse in the Bible. But I want to make it clear that this is not instruction to presume upon the will of the Lord and therefore then to run out and make choices in your life. But let's look at this situation logically. God had brought Abraham and Sarah into the land of Canaan and had made a covenant with Abraham and in marriage to Sarah that they would be in covenant and that this whole greater region, the greater Canaan region, God would give to them as a possession forever, God says. While they had left their home, I guess their home was in Mesopotamia, if you look at it that way, because it describes all of their experience. He's living in tents. He's still living in tents. His sojournings in the land of Canaan, it's described as sojourning. It's not described as building a home or making a home. And then, of course, if you go way back, it was Ur. But while they had left Mesopotamia a long time ago, and their descendants had not yet driven out all the current pagan residents of the land of Canaan, God was still saying, this here where you're at is the place. This is the place. So knowing that, and knowing that the current residents of the land are pagan, where should Abraham have sought to get a wife for Isaac before Abraham died? The very first part of chapter 24 says Abraham was old and well advanced in years. He's making preparations while he's still alive as the patriarch of his family for his son, for the next generation. Well, he would not do it in the current land even if he thought about things simply logistically. It's not going to be a match. But also, Abraham didn't want Isaac leaving the promised land to go far away because Isaac was already in the covenantal home that God had spoken. That God was in the middle of providing. They're a sojourner now. He is going to drive out these pagan residents in the future. And his people are going to build homes there and to live there. So simply for the logical reason, Abraham believed a relative of his old family would be the best choice. Again, values. And hopefully they already had faith in God. And if they didn't specifically 
have faith yet, they very, very likely, excuse me, had the, the same value system or extremely similar value system, and therefore he thought would be inclined to trust God. And Abraham wanted someone to be found who would be a good match for Isaac. This concept of a good match. We hear this all, all the time, even in present day. I want to find someone who's a good match. You hear that all the time. But I don't say it in the blanket, societal, economic, good match way. That any man and woman should just pair up if they're a good match. No. Look at the life of Isaac. Look at the family that he grew up in. Look at Abraham's relationship with the Lord. Isaac grew up in the household of Abraham and Sarah under the covenant that God had made with Abraham and therefore Sarah. Isaac was circumcised under the covenant. This family made regular offerings to God as part of their covenant relationship, worshiped God in the covenant, sojourned. He was a resident for a long time in the land of the promise as part of this covenant. He was part of the covenant family with God. Abraham wanted someone who would be a good match for his son in this covenant. And Abraham was not placing a formula on the servant or on the order of events that happened. Uh, we'll read about here in the next few weeks, but about the, how the servant goes about it. He's not putting these specific, almost prophetic parameters on how the servant goes about it. He just says, go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son, Isaac. He did not say, you must go to this specific town and talk to this person here and then walk over here and do this. And if they say this, then do that. And if they don't say this and do that. He wasn't placing a lot of restrictions or parameters on this. It was a heart matter. Now, in our present day, it would seem quite unorthodox to send a messenger to a foreign land, to ask a young woman to leave her family and journey back with that servant in order to marry a man she has never met. But a few things. This was a long time ago. And also, this was a unique circumstance. But one thing is for sure. If God is the focus of the people seeking and the request is the Lord's will, it will be done. Look at the ark that Noah and his sons built and likely many others built who saved all eight aboard and all the animals and the creatures and delivered them back to dry ground. Look at God calling Abraham out from the pagan land of Ur and into a relationship with him to make him a father of a multitude of nations. Look at Sarah, who was barren for so long. And because God specifically, he made it so clear. If Sarah had never been barren, and then God had said, you will have a child, 
that would also be a wondrous encounter with the Lord. And I believe that God specifically brings about every single birth because humans are made in the image and the likeness of God. But still, God sets this incredible separation. In the life of Sarah, he makes it clear she has been barren for so long. So long, it's painful emotionally for her and for Abraham. So long. And then God comes to her and says, you will have a child. And that was quite a while before she had Isaac. And then she had to wait while she was still barren, but the Lord had said, because the Lord was making it clear. It is for the people of God to be focused on the Lord. And when it is the will of God, it will be done. And she gives birth to a child. But don't miss this. If God is the focus of the people seeking him. And do not miss the second part. If it is the Lord's will, it will be done. We do not presume upon God or speak something in the place of God. Woe that any man would do that. Rather, his people submit our inclinations and our desires and our wants and lay those before his throne. And we take on his name. Christian Christ Shun. And instead, in that, we pursue who God is. We read and we study what he says. And then we take on the things of God and we start practicing the things of God and incorporate the things of God into our life because we are focused on what God wants. Abraham. Here in chapter 24, in his maturity, he was fervently embracing who God is, what he says, and what he wants. Because Abraham was living in the covenant with God. He was living in the personal relationship with God. And God's call for us is to do the same. Abraham had his mistakes. Abraham had sinned multiple times. We all do. But Abraham had abandoned the things of this world to give glory to God. He saw God as most glorious. He saw God as worthy of all the glory. He saw that this world and this life and that the entire creation is about God's glory and he wanted nothing less because of how he responds here, because of his focus here, because of what he did on Mount Moriah with Isaac. He counted it all as loss. Everything else as rubbish, 
He didn't live for himself anymore. His intention was God and his focus was God because his champion was God because of God and his glory and God's goodness and God's love and God's intentional and proactive hand to reach down to man to have a relationship with man. God had already created everything. God had already created man. But God is living and active and he never sleeps and he's always intentional and he's always active and he's always pursuing us. He is pursuing us and pursuing us and pursuing us. And he knows that nothing else will satisfy the human heart except God alone. And he knows that nothing comes close to comparing to the joy that we will find in God alone. And his desire is that we would have eyes that would see, not just eyes that are open, but have eyes to see him, that we would have arms to embrace him, that our mind would submit the selfish desires and the selfish thoughts and the lazy thoughts and the easy thoughts and the comfortable thoughts. And we would lay those down in our mind and in our heart and pursue our God for God's glory and for our greatest joy. Let's pray. Father God, for your people who are so easily distracted from the things of this world, let us not think that we need to operate in the way and in the manner and in the structure as the people of this world but by picking up your word, O Lord. We read of the law and of the prophets and of the gospels, your way. May we be followers of your way. May we look for how to live by how you say to live. And we know that only in consuming our thoughts and our heart's motivations with you, that we will have a very intentional path in this world, that we won't be dragged down by the things of this world, but that we will ever more so find our joy and our contentment in our God. Lead us, O oh God, so that your people would be bold and strong and intentional because of you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Join me next time as we continue in Genesis 24.